Luke chapter 16. He, that is Jesus, also said to the disciples, There was a rich man who had a manager, and charges were brought to him that this man was wasting his possessions. And he called him and said to him, What is this that I hear about you? Turn in the account of your management, for you can no longer be my manager. And the manager said to himself, What shall I do, since my master is taking my management, the management away from me? I'm not strong enough to dig, and I'm ashamed to beg. I have decided what to do, so that when I am removed from management, people may receive me into their houses. So summoning the, his master's debtors, one by one, he said to the first, How much do you owe my master? He said, A hundred measures of oil. He said to him, Take your bill and sit down quickly and write fifty. Then he said to another, And how much do you owe? He said, A hundred measures of wheat. He said to him, Take your bill and write eighty. The master commended the dishonest manager for shrewdness. For the sons of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than the sons of light. And I tell you, make friends for yourself by means of unrighteous wealth, so that when it fails, they may receive you into the eternal dwellings. One who is faithful in a very little is also faithful in much, and the one who is dishonest in a very little is also dishonest in much. If then you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, who will entrust you to the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. The Pharisees, who were lovers of money, heard all these things, and they ridiculed them. And he said to them, You are those who justify yourselves before men, but God knows your heart, hearts. For what is exalted among men is an abomination in the sight of God. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of the Lord, it endures forever. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, do you know how many verses in the Bible that talk about money? Do you know how many parables that Jesus told was on the topic of money? There are 2,350 verses that talk about money. And out of the 38 parables that Jesus told, 16 of them were on the topic of money. And besides, one out of ten verses in the gospel, it deals with money. Why is that? Because God knows our heart. And that's why in First Timothy chapter 6, verse 10, he warns us, for the love of money is the root of all evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with the grief. And that's why even Jesus 
In Luke chapter 18, verse 24, he tells us, It is easier for a camel to go through an eye of a needle than a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. God cares about how we handle the money. And this brings us to the theme of our sermon this morning. Jesus, through the parable of this dishonest manager, calls us to handle money for God's kingdom. Jesus, through the parable of this dishonest manager, he calls us to handle money for God's kingdom. We'll see this truth under two points. The wrong way of handling money and the right way of handling money. Let us consider the first point of the sermon, the wrong way of handling money. Jesus begins to tell his disciples this parable that there was a rich man. This man was not just rich, but he was very rich. In fact, he was super rich that he could not directly oversee his own properties. He was super rich that he could not supervise his own possessions. Rich people during the time of Jesus, they were involved in a number of businesses, including agriculture, dairy farming, and real estates. So generally, they had managers who took care of their estates. Likewise, this rich man, he had a manager. And the job of a manager, it's a very important one because the manager, he not only takes care of his master's internal estate, but he is the one who actually meets with other people around him so that he can expand his master's business. But the manager of our parable, he was accused of wasting his master's possession. The Greek word that is used for wasting in our parable is the same Greek word that is used in the prodigal son, Luke chapter 15, verse 13, and there it is translated as squandering. So the manager, he was wasting, he was squandering, and he was misspending his master's possession. And his master came to know, know about it, and he calls his manager and tells him basically, you are fired. Submit all the accounts in a couple of weeks and never come back here again. It is a sobering reality, isn't it? That when we waste someone's possession, someone else's resources, in our workplace, be it maybe a simple stationary item like a stapler, a razor, a pencil, to an expensive office supplies or equipment, there will be real-life consequence that we need to face. But more importantly, it displeases God when we indulge in such kind of activity. That's why the Catechism says, God forbids, forbids all greed and pointless squandering of his gifts. Now, the manager in our parable is in a great amount of stress. He says, what shall I do since my manager is taking, my master is taking my management from me? 
I have lost my job, I have lost my income, and I've basically lost my housing. Because in those days, managers, they stayed at the master's property while working for them. And more importantly, I have lost my reputation. Now I can no longer go outside and find another job. So the manager is thinking very seriously about his future. Then he goes on to say, I'm not strong enough to dig, and I'm ashamed to beg. You see, this guy, he just loved his white-collar job that he would not do any physical labor, let alone beg for a living. So he just walks up and down his house, and suddenly he has this aha moment, an eureka moment. He comes up with the master plan. I know what I'm going to do. When I am removed from the management, people may receive me into their house. When I lose my job here, people will welcome me into their houses. So what does he does? He summons his master's debtors one by one. And his master, he had a lengthy list of debtors. So he says to the first guy, how much do you owe my master? He says, a hundred measures of oil, which is about a 900 gallons of oil. And at the time of Jesus, it took three years of wage. You see, that's a lot of debt. And the manager says to him, take the bill, sit down quickly and write 50. That's 50% discount. And we should be aware, brothers and sisters in Christ, just like in our day and time, that we have crop insurance that protects farmers from crop failure due to natural calamities. The ancient world did the similar program. The king or the governing authority, they would give a discount when there is a natural disaster that affected crop production. That was based on compassion. But this 50% discount, it's not based on compassion. This was for personal gain. The manager was purely conniving. Now he says to the second guy, how much do you owe me? He answers him, a hundred measure of feet. And this is equivalent to a thousand bushel of feet. And to make a thousand bushels of feet, it takes about eight to ten years of labor. Again, this is a significant debt. The manager tells him, take your bill and write 80. Wow, a 20% discount. You see what the manager is doing here? He is helping himself. He's helping this guy so that when he is kicked off of the management, when he loses his job, he in turn can come to their houses and could say, guys, now help me out. Just like I helped you in the past, now help me out unless you want me to tell the world what I did for you. You see, in this way, he's having a leverage on them. God, God and God's word condemns 
the sin. This is a direct violation of the Eighth Commandment. And in the answer of 110 of the Catechism, God tells us, God forbids not only outright theft and robbery, which governing authorities punish, but in God's sight, theft also includes all evil tricks and schemes designed to get our neighbors good for ourselves, whether by force or means that appear legitimate, such as inaccurate measurement of weight, size or volume, fraudulent merchandising, counterfeit money, excessive interest, or any other means forbidden by God. This is the wrong way of handling money. We should not use tricks or schemes designed to get our neighbors good for ourselves. We should not use inaccurate measurements, whether weight, size, or volume. Because Proverbs chapter 11, verse 1 says, Dishonest scales, they are an abomination to the Lord, but an accurate weight is his delight. Now the story, it gets even weirder because the master commands, he commends this dishonest manager for his shrewdness. Who in the right mind will commend a robber and a thief? Say for example, if I work for Pastor John and Pastor John, he comes to know that I've cheated him, say for example, $6,000, he finds out, he fires me, and on the last day of my job, I steal another $4,000 from him. Pastor John, I'm pretty confident he's not going to praise me, but rather he would call the police on me and try to put me in the prison bars. But this rich master, he commends his manager for his shrewdness. <clears throat> the manager did whatever he could in order to secure a housing and a living. And if you have noticed carefully, all the characters in the parables, they are wicked people. The dishonest manager, he squanders his master's possession and he falsely audits his stuff so that he can save, have his own future. The debtors, they seem to be happy to get their discount. No one questions him like, hey, why does this rich master gives us this discount? All they care about is that, all right, I'm getting my money, I'm happy about it. And this rich man, instead of condemning the action of the manager, he commands him for his shrewdness. Thus, this parable is full of wrong examples. This parable is full of wicked example. But Jesus, the best teacher and preacher of all ages, using this parable, he wants to teach us how to handle properly the right way. And this brings us to the second point of the sermon, the right way of handling money. In verse 10 it says, The sons of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than the sons of light. And this was the sad reality that Jesus was observing in his time. He saw the sons of this world, 
who are unbelievers. All they do is just live for the present time. All they care about is this present life. They don't have no care or worries about the future life. But they work hard to secure a secure future in this life. Whereas the sons of light, which is us, the believers who believed in the sufficiency of the blood of Jesus Christ, who cling to him for salvation alone, unfortunately, sadly, we are apathetic, we are indifferent, and we are unconcerned about our future home, heaven and eternity. And sadly, we don't work hard for our better future home in heaven compared to the unbelievers who do that for their present, for this just present world. John Calvin, he says, how disgraceful it is that the children of light whom God enlightens by spirit and word should slumber and neglect the hope of eternal blessedness held out to them while worldly men are so eagerly bent on their own accommodation and so prudent and clever. You see, in verse 9, Jesus tells us, I tell you, make friends for yourself by means of unrighteous wealth, so that when it fails, they may receive you into eternal dwelling. And Jesus calls it unrighteous wealth or money, not because the money was obtained in an unrighteous manner, but because we live in a fallen world. We live in a fallen system that money is stained with unrighteousness in one form or the other. And when possessed, it so often hardens one's heart. And again, that's why Jesus in Luke chapter 18, verse 24, he tells us, it is easier for a camel to go through a eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Jesus is telling us, and he's calling us to use the unrighteous wealth, to use this unrighteous money, to buy friends in heaven. He's telling us, use your money for the kingdom enterprise. Use your money for the gospel enterprise. Just like the dishonest manager who used his money to gain friends on earth, you too use your money to gain friends in heaven. And Jesus tells us, this money will fail. Remember the words of Job in Job chapter 1 verse 21? Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Money will fail inevitably. We can see two examples of how money will fail. One is found in the same chapter, Luke, Luke chapter 16, where Jesus, like if you read about from verse 19 all the way to verse 31, he talks about the rich man and the Lazarus. And I encourage you, 
And I urge you, like when you have time this afternoon, go home and read that passage. But now I want you to look with me to Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12, see verse 16. This is a parable of the rich fool. Look at what, how money fails. Verse 16. The rich man and Jesus told them a parable saying, The land of a rich man produced plentiful. And he thought to himself, What shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul is required of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself, is not rich towards God. And you just look at verse 32 also, verses 32 to 34. Fear not, little folks, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourself with money bags that not, do not grow old, with a treasure in heavens that do not fail, that is, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. You see that? The same thing. The answer of Lord say 42, 111, it tells us that I do whatever I can and may for my neighbor's good, that I treat others as I would like them to treat me, that I work faithfully so that I may help the needy in their hardship. The scripture commends you and God commends you when you support for his kingdom work with your money. And when you give your money to an evangelism and outreach uh, organization, example, think for the CRC uh, missions work, Resonate Global Mission, or World Mission, when you give money to a theological institution, think about Mid-America Reform Seminary and Calvin Reform Seminary, the scripture tells us that you are storing treasures in heaven and that you are buying friends in heaven. Verse 10, the one who is faithful in a very little is also faithful in much. And the one who is dishonest in a very little is also dishonest in much. This is a universal truth which we can see in our day-to-day life. It is self-explanatory. You see it with your children. You see it in your workplace. And Jesus goes on to say, If then you have not been faithful in unrighteous wealth, who will entrust you to true riches? And if you have not been faithful in that which is another, who will give you what is your own? Another way of saying is that if you do not be, if you are not being trustworthy in, uh, in handling worldly 
worldly wealth who will trust you with true riches if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property who will give you your own property you might say but wait a minute it's my money it's my wealth i labored for it i worked hard for it but god tells us in hegai chapter 2 verse 8 the silver is mine and the gold is mine psalm 24 verse 1 the earth is the lord's and everything in it the world and all who live in it remember our call to worship from first chronicles chapter 29 verses 11 and 12 yours o lord is the greatness the power the glory the victory and the majesty for all that is in the heavens and in the earth is yours yours is the kingdom o lord and you are exalted as head above all both riches and honor come from you and you rule over all it is not your money but it is god's money he gives it to you and he invites you to give give it back to him so that you can have treasures in heaven true riches and what are true riches they are spiritual and eternal it is your ability to worship god to praise him and to enjoy him in a greater and greater magnitude so give generously to the kingdom cause and don't get this don't get the text wrong because you are not saved by giving this would be the roman catholic teaching of indulgence giving money to buy your ticket to heaven no we are saved and we have a secure place in heaven only because of the person and work of jesus christ jesus is the one who kept all of god's law perfectly and jesus is the one who died for you and me and when we truly believe in this good news and repent of our sins that's how we have eternal life that's how we have salvation you give your money to god because he rewards you in heaven more than that think about this brothers and sisters in christ god purchased you not with perishable things such as gold or silver he said you are mine with the very precious spotless blameless blood of the lamb and that's why he invites you to participate in the kingdom work just like cornelius in acts chapter 10 if you see in verse 4 his prayers and his gifts to the poor it came up as a memorial offering before god we too should likewise use the money that god has given to us for his kingdom work 
Listen to Jim Elliot. He's one of the greatest missionaries regarding this. He once said, He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Let that sink in for a moment. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Money, you will lose it. Eternal life, you will never lose it. Use your money for kingdom. Use your money for the gospel. And Jesus gives you another final instruction in verse 13. No servant can serve two masters. For either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. And Jesus here is not talking about like working for two managers or bosses because some of us, to meet our family needs, we need to have multiple jobs. But rather, Jesus is talking in the context of a Roman Empire the relationship between a master and a slave. A slave is not owned by multiple master. A slave is owned by just one master. And also, why is Jesus saying this? It's not being rich. That's not the problem. It's not having much money. That's not the problem. The problem is, as First Timothy chapter 6, verses 7 to 10 tells us, it is the love of money. When you put money before God, that's the problem. And what does the Pharisees do? When the Pharisees hear all these things, they mocked Jesus. They scoffed at them. Why? The scripture tells us, because they were all lovers of money. What does Jesus say to them? To the religious leaders of the day. You are those who justify yourself in the sight of men. But God, he knows your heart. For what is highly esteemed among men, it is detestable in the sight of God. God sees our heart. Where our treasure is, there our heart is also. And finally, dear brothers and sisters in Christ, let us learn from our great Savior, Jesus Christ, that we should use our God-given money to invest in the future kingdom, in securing eternal treasures, and in buying friends for heaven. Let us Give generously to the gospel work of Jesus Christ. And as the scripture tells us in Galatians chapter 6, verse 9, let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. Amen. Shall we pray? Father, we thank you for not only rewarding us with the free gift of salvation, but even rewarding our good works which your Spirit causes us to do. We praise you, O High King of Heaven, for you are our treasure. 
We pray that you would stamp eternity on our eyeballs. Give us grace to have our minds set and focused on the heavenly things. We pray that your Holy Spirit would empower us to use this unrighteous wealth, money, and the resources of this world for your kingdom's work. Help us to lay for ourselves treasures in heaven. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.